Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, January 15th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking college sports today and focusing in on Kansas basketball and Kansas State football. The Jayhawks are coming off a loss at Oklahoma State, and it has beat writer Jesse Newell wondering if KU should essentially play for March now. That is, using the remainder of the regular season to perhaps experiment with minutes and style to get things in place for the NCAA tournament. Of course, KU plays for the conference title every year, so obviously not an easy call. Maybe the Jayhawks will know more about the direction of their season after Monday's game at second-ranked Baylor. Jesse and Gary Bedore break it down. After a break, Kellis Robinette joins us to discuss Kansas State's decision to move its 2021 home opener against Stanford in Manhattan to Arlington, Texas, home of the Dallas Cowboys. I think it's a good move. We also covered Darren Sproles' election to the College Football Hall of Fame, which was announced earlier this week, and we wonder about the next Kansas State player to enter the hall. So let's get started with Gary and Jesse. Jesse and Gary are here. I picked up my Kansas City Star this morning, and in the top left-hand corner, there's a story that says words to the effect of uh, should Kansas punt the regular season and just play for March. (laughs) Now, two things. One, I actually saw that story appear online a day or so ago, and so just catching up with the print edition. But – more interesting was the concept of the story, Jesse, that um, based on results through the first couple weeks of uh, of Big 12 season and, you know, what's happening with, with Kansas coming off the loss to Oklahoma State. There's a, there's a school of thought that um, maybe there's should be maybe some more experimentation with this team getting it ready for for March. Was that your thought going into that story? Yeah, basically, you know, usually four and two in the Big 12 does not put you out of the Big 12 race. But this year is just a little bit different than others because really Kansas isn't the problem. The problem is that Texas and Baylor, especially Baylor, are really, really good this year. So, uh, yeah, that's sort of the point of it. I I, kind of kept repeating it. The good news is the bad news for Kansas. Uh, They've had to and Bill Self has. I mean, we know the streak. That's what he's going to be known for for the rest of his career. But they always take an approach where the most important thing is winning the every individual game. And that's because the big 12 conference play has been so important for them throughout the course of the last 17 years. The fact of the matter is right now, the odds would tell you the percentages KU has about a 3% chance to share the big 12 this year. So they kind of have a little bit of runway here, a little bit, maybe a breathing room to try to figure some things out as a team, rather than to just grind, 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 and try to figure out how to win every single individual game. When more than likely what's going to happen at the end of the season is they're going to be a three or a four seed. They're going to be about third in the big 12 and they're not going to win the big 12. So it kind of gives KU, I think a few more options to to figure things out. I think a lot of things, I just read an ESPN article today uh, with four of their analysts talking about Kansas and three of them talked about Kansas, not having an identity. And I agree. I think Kansas needs to come up with, with something that they can go to. They feel like that they are, this and uh, they don't have that yet so i think if they aren't just so hyper focused on every single step of the journey and maybe kind of raise their eyes to the horizon and say what big picture is good for this team i think they could spin this one to positive and every year there's a team that makes the final four that finishes like fourth or fifth in their conference and figures things out late why can't kansas be that team this year well part of what you're talking about is style of play and part of it is personnel and who's getting minutes and one thing we have learned in the last day or two, Gary, was uh, one of those players who'd been coming off the bench 
is not going to be available to Kansas. And this is somebody who might have benefited from more playing time to get his game developed. And that's that's Bryce Thompson. What's what's the update on him? Uh, he broke a finger, his index finger on his right hand, shooting hand, when he dove into a, a pile with a bunch of other players at the end of the KU loss on Tuesday night at Stillwater. He'll be out. Uh, self said yesterday he has to let it heal on its own for about two weeks. Then he might get to start shooting around and stuff. So self said he didn't know if it would be four weeks. He didn't know if it would be seven weeks. But it sounds like he'll be out for at least a month. What, what did we think of his game up until now? What, um I, I don't. I don't know what to think. Look, he's obviously a, a highly touted uh, recruit, but just seemed to be a little bit slow to develop. And uh, and and maybe Jesse, that's what you were. Um, the the point of the whole thing was to get guys like him a little bit more playing time and more comfortable in in the system. Yeah, I mean, he fits into kind of what KU does. He's a big combo guard. You know, they have a lot of those types of guys that sort of can defend different positions one through four and are switchable in that way. I think he has a really good basketball IQ. He's obviously a coach's son. And um, Kerry talked earlier, he has a mid-range game, even though I think after Gary wrote the article, he gave him the SI jinx because I don't think he made a mid-range shot after that. But uh, he was out for a while after Christmas anyway because of a back injury. This was the first game he got back, and then he breaks his finger. So obviously that's going to hurt his development. But to be completely honest, Blair, you know, he's not – an answer offensively for them just because he's been pretty lousy when it comes to shooting threes. If you can make a lot of mid-range jumpers, it's great, but it's probably not what you want to bank your whole offensive skill set on. And uh, he's also been just a, a touch uh, turnover prone too when he's been in there. So a developing freshman, again, a guy that I think that could have gotten more minutes down the stretch and especially could help them defensively. But uh, if KU is ailing most offensively, and that's what the numbers would tell us at this point, he was probably not going to answer those sorts of questions. But a rotation piece, absolutely, and somebody who uh, definitely could have gotten better down the stretch. Who might benefit from a, a change in philosophy over the final couple months of the regular season? Who, whose game can develop to, to a point where it really benefits Kansas um, on, on both ends of the floor? I, I think the number one guy to me is uh, he's already playing, but Jalen Wilson. We saw earlier stretches when he was in and KU played five guards where he was really, really good. He was distributing, he was scoring, he was getting past his man. And that was sort of the matchup that KU sort of always exploited was they had Jalen Wilson go against the other team's five man and he could either shoot over the top of them or drive by them. So if KU goes more five guards and experiments more that way, and again, this has been successful for them in small stretches this year, I, I think he could really help. But uh, the obvious answer to me is Ty Grant Foster. Uh, he's a guy coming into the season. There was some talk, you know, from inside the program that he might be the team's leading scorer and he can barely get off the bench. Now he's a guy that uh, has had some poor shot selection is turnover prone as well. And he can give KU when I talk about Bryce Thompson, Bryce Thompson is kind of what they have and could help them. Tiger and Foster could give them something that they don't have as much of, which is athleticism and playing above the rim. And this KU team really could use that. I think at this point, so I would say those two guys, but Tiger and Foster more than most, he's the guy that uh, had high expectations going into the season and has not come close to beating those so far. I'll tell you, Gary, a guy that intrigues me a little bit is Tristan and Aruna. Um, what what have you seen from him in the, in the last handful of games? Seems like he's a 
He's getting about 10, 11 minutes a game. Um, get you a couple of buckets. Again, a deep, you know, good size. Um, what's uh, what's his potential? What's his upside? Well, supposedly he's their best NBA prospect, but uh, Self keeps mentioning that he gives up backdoor layups on defense. So uh, Self has probably given him a – he's let him play through a couple mistakes of late, but – Early on, he really wasn't, and uh, last game he was two for two at Okie State, but uh, I be- he had one good game. I forget which one. He had like 12 points, but he's got a bright future, apparently. He's supposed to be the best young player out of the Netherlands in a long time for their national team in the future and stuff, but I – I would say the light definitely hasn't come on yet for him. What do you think, Jesse? Is there what's Tristan's upside? Well, yeah, if they're going to play a five guard lineup, him playing the five, I think, is great. And six eight, seven foot wingspan can challenge shots. His problem is exactly what Gary mentioned, which is he's sort of an anti Bill Self player right now. Uh, he's lackadaisical. He doesn't always. Uh, have his mind in the game. He he doesn't hustle as much as Bill Self would like. Uh, you know, you can look at these small examples. Gary talked about getting beat back door. Uh, you just, that's just a lack of focus. And that casualness is the opposite of what Bill Self really values, which is always being intense. And I think it's part of the conversation he had after the Oklahoma State game, which is wanting his guys to take more pride on the defensive end and try harder, you know? Uh, the other thing is it, I can't know exactly on uh, in the last play because it didn't ask Self about it afterwards but the the play that marcus garrett got blocked at the rim it's a similar play to what kansas has run a lot where they kind of clear out a side and Enaruna for some reason he goes into the lane instead of like cutting up top and because that happened cade cunningham the guy who was defending Enaruna, kind of camped in the lane stayed there and then blocked marcus garrett's shot so um, again, I don't know right now if that's play design. I don't know if that was Tristan Erna going to the wrong spot, but it sure seems like that's another example. If Tristan Erna didn't go to the spot he was supposed to and did in turn sort of get Marcus Garrett's shot blocked by a help defender and then fouled the guy in transition on the way back for a three-point play, those are kind of the small things we're talking about here. I mean, Tristan Erna can help this team, but he can't help this team if he's doing the things that Bill Self hates and those small things that are sometimes the margin between winning and losing. So, uh, again, I can't put that blame exactly on him, but it sure seems like watching the video that a similar type play that KU's run before would have him in a different spot. And so if he didn't execute that well at game point, that's not a point in his favor either. And so, uh, yeah, those are the small things that are keeping him from being really good. That was a heck of a play by Cunningham, too, the great freshman. Yeah. Not only with the block, but the save, and then started the run out that, uh, that I believe ended up in a three-point play. The game, the game was tied at the point at that moment or so. Yes. Anyway. Okay, hey, Gary, so, so what are the Jayhawks, what do they have coming up? Iowa State at 1 p.m. Saturday in Lawrence. Uh, Iowa State's 0-5 in the league. They've only played uh, – nine games, two and seven. Then they go to Baylor on Monday. Baylor is still undefeated, travels to Texas Tech on Saturday. Wow, what a week. uh, It's kind of a crucial stretch. If it's like KU normally does, Baylor will lose at Tech and then KU will win in Waco. If it's especially (laughs) different year, Baylor 
will have a three-game lead over KU by late Monday night. Boy, KU Baylor, um, uh, it's intriguing, right? It's it's um, uh, it, it's a, it's a terrific. It could be a terrific game. Um, Jesse, before you came on, Gary and I were talking. I I, I kind of like Kansas on the road as much as I like him at home this year. So maybe. I don't know. I, I think Bill Self will certainly challenge his guys when they go down to Waco, and they're not afraid to play in games like that. They they're not intimidated by by the um, you know by the setting. I, Baylor just seems to have too much for everybody in the Big Twelve. Yeah, this is sort of what I'm talking about Blair. Um, I posted this online yesterday, but right now, as it stands, KU would be about an eight point underdog in that game, and Bill Self has never been an eight point underdog at Kansas. So when we're talking about KU being a good team but not a great team. Baylor is a great team. KU is a good team. And that is resulting right now in what could potentially be the biggest spread of an NCAA or of a line of a Vegas line of Bill Self's tenure at Kansas. And so that's what I'm talking about. KU needs to figure out a ceiling that can play with Baylor. How can they play in a game Monday where maybe some things happen their way, maybe some breaks fall their way, but they're able to compete in a game where they're an eight point underdog. That's the answer that Kansas needs to find. Now it might drop your floor a little bit. Maybe you're going to play a lousy game and lose by 20, but right now it doesn't matter. I mean, again, you're going to be about a three or four seed. You're going to finish third in the big 12, but that sort of speaks to this year's team, which is not only is Baylor kind of up here on this different level, but Kansas is sort of on a, Again, a lower level for what Bill Self is. Now, still a good team, still top 15-ish, that sort of thing. But uh, this is this year's a little bit different than most others. All right. Jesse Newell, Gary Bedore. Hey, great catching up with you guys, and we'll do it again next week. All right. Thanks. thanks. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit kansascity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Kellis is here. What's up, Kellis? How you doing? I'm doing good, Blair. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, yeah. Great talking to you. And there was some news this week with Kansas State football scheduling news. Always like scheduling news. And um, uh, especially when it's an attractive game, and uh, and we learned of a you know of a nice game coming up for Kansas State to open the 2021 season. Tell us about it, and then I want to get into why I think it's a good idea, and see if you agree with me. Yeah, so the game that uh, has previously been scheduled against Stanford for uh, a home game here in Manhattan for 2021, after oh a year and a half of uh, discussions about it. Um, they've decided to go ahead and move it to uh, Arlington, Texas. They're going to play it at AT&T Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys play. They also talked to Arrowhead about playing it there, but uh, the money was just a little bit better down in Texas. And um, it was a unique situation where uh, they have eight. They had eight home games lined up next season. They figured that's pretty rare. They don't normally have an abundance like that. So um, when some other uh when some other facilities came in and said, hey, what do you think about playing a, playing that at a neutral site? They listened. 
And, um, yeah, they're going to go ahead and play their first game on a neutral field in 11 years. It hasn't been done since they last played Iowa State and had Farmageddon at uh, Arrowhead in 2010. Boy, anytime you can get Farmageddon on the show, puts a big smile on my face, man. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, so interesting. Um, and it'll be, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, obviously it's, it'll be the first time for Kansas State playing at AT&T Stadium. They have been in the building for media days because that's where Big 12 has held uh, media it, it, days. They did play the one cotton bowl there, I will say that. Oh, thank yeah, you. But, thank you for reminding me. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so they have been in the big scoreboard building. That's right. They got pretty beat. They got beaten pretty badly by Arkansas. So I don't know if you can really say they played, but uh, they they were there, but the team was there. Okay. Um, listen, uh, so when the news came out, there was some fan feedback that suggested, look, what are we doing? We're taking an attractive home game away, first of all, from Manhattan. And because I think this is the return for a game that Kansas state played at Stanford in 2016. Yes. so this would have been a really attractive home game. Kansas State, as we know, uh, doesn't always have the, the the most attractive non-conference opponents, although that's changed in recent years. There have been some some teams that come in there. Auburn, I can remember, several years ago and uh, others. But uh, but so but any opportunity like this, you you, sh- you shouldn't leave uh, your 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 campus site to to take it to a neutral site. I think there are exceptions to that. I generally agree, but think there are exceptions to the rule, and, and this is one of them. As you mentioned, um, if they played this game in Manhattan, that would have been eight home games, which is, look, Kansas State, how, what do they make off of a home game? Is it a half a million bucks or something? Yeah, there's a little bit of difference between you know net and gross. For a typical home game, Gene Taylor told me yesterday, their typical net is about half a million dollars. Okay. And by playing this game at uh, in Arlington – um, they're projecting the net to be about $2.2 million. All right, so that, that is a great point to make because, uh, look, the, I, I always I have sympathy for the, you know, the hotelers, the restaurateurs, the, the businesses that benefit from, from home games. Uh, look, home games at any college town are a big deal and a big financial deal, big revenue deal for, for those towns. But in a year... Uh, when every major athletic department budget has been strained because of the pandemic, because of COVID-19, there are op- when you have an opportunity to make money like that, you absolutely have to take that opportunity. And, um, and, and if, it, if it strengthens the, the athletic department and strengthens the university, then you've strengthened the community as well. So I, I salute Gene Taylor, um, Chris Kleiman, and Kansas State for taking this game. Heck, I wish it was at Arrowhead. Uh, I've seen Kansas State play many games at Arrowhead over the years, but uh, the fact that it's in at Arlington in in a in a heavy recruiting zone for the Wildcats um, to to play a game in in the Metroplex, I think is I think it's win win for for Kansas State. You know, I, I agree with you. I've kind of gone back and forth on this issue since I started writing about it um, almost two years ago now. It's been that long. It's it's funny. It seems like the Kansas State fans have been having this uh, uh, argument oh, just periodically every time it kind of comes up uh, for, <laughs> for, you know, 18 months or so now. But it, it's happening now, and I certainly am sympathetic to, um, you know, local people here who, who um, subscribe to the Bill Snyder theory of the end of his tenure that, as many games as possible should be played here. 
But I will also point out that earlier in Snyder's career, he played, he, he sacrificed two regular season games and played him in Arrowhead. And he even made the bizarre, bizarre decision to sell some home, conference home games to Oklahoma. There was a while there. They yep. played Oklahoma yep. every single year on the road, just because they said, we want the money. And, um, you know, they, they find themselves in that same position. Now, if you've got, when you're laying off people and you're asking your coaches and your staff to work at reduced salaries, if you've got an opportunity to make an extra $1.7 million um, and all you're really doing is just moving the location of a home game um, a few hours south, as long as you're not going to do it every single season, I, I like it. I think for, for this season it's a good idea. And one thing I, I found interesting in looking over the contract of this game, it almost literally will be a home game for K-State just played in Arlington. They're going to have the same, uh, you know, marching band performance before the game. All the hype videos will be about Kansas state. They can maybe even have their, their, bring their own PA guy to, you know, say first down wild, you know, and that's a wildcats first down, all that stuff. Um, this literally is, you know, they're getting 10 times the tickets to Stanford. It's not going to be a typical neutral site kickoff game. It's a really good opportunity for them. And again, while I certainly understand that coming off a pandemic, People here in Manhattan and the surrounding community want as many home games as possible. You still got the other seven. It's not all that often that the schedule aligns like this and they have these opportunities. So you know what? If you want to do it and kind of rub shoulders with some other programs that do this every year, like Alabama, Ohio State, USC, they typically are in these games quite often. So now you can say you've done it. It's a prestige boost. I I think it's a, a good move for them. That's right. The big boys do it. Uh, Kansas State will be a big boy when uh, when they kick off the 2021 season. Speaking of, you're mentioning the the neutral site games that's that Bill Snyder's team has played early in his tenure. Brings to mind a, a little trivia question. Let's see if you can answer this. Um, okay. In one of those games, a quarterback who is one of the eight quarterbacks playing in the NFL playoffs divisional round this weekend made his major college debut in that game. Uh, do you know who that quarterback was? Well, I'm going to guess Aaron Rodgers at Cal. Is that right? Ding, 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 ding. All ding, right. Ding. There we go. You I got it. I didn't think you, anyone from Iowa was still playing. So, hey. Right. That's that? right. Yeah, how cool. He, he. I remember this game. I remember covering the game. Kansas State got out to a big lead. And uh, I think Jeff Tedford was the was the coach at Cal at the time, but he puts in Aaron Rodgers, and and he throws a touchdown pass and gets the offense going, and they end up making it a respectable score. And um, and and who knew at the time, right, that uh, that was that was Aaron Rodgers in that wow, game? That's so. crazy. Okay, uh, there was something else I wanted to talk to you about, Cal. Yeah, earlier this week. That, sorry, that, that kind of reminds me of. Uh... Uh, there was one time when Washington State played a basketball game here in Bramlage, and they had um, – oh, I've ruined this. Who's the other splash brother with Steph Curry in Golden State? Kyle Thompson, is that his yeah, name? Yeah, uh, uh, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, there we go, Clay Thompson. Yeah, he played a game here and came in and uh, you know hit, hit some threes at the time. Everybody was like, oh, hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> I can play a little bit. What who he is. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. Okay. Um, I think you, I think you know where I want to go with this. Uh, speaking of, um, kind of former great players, uh, th- there was news earlier this week that Darren Sproles was elected to the college football hall of fame and, uh, great honor for Darren Sproles. I know that you and I have discussed in the past, whether he should be in the NFL, the pro football hall of fame. 
I was sort of borderline with that, but I've I think I've come around to thinking he he should be at some point in the in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But he's now in the College Football Hall of Fame, and what's kind of significant about this is he is um, he he went in on the first ballot, and that's that's extremely difficult to do in the College Football Hall of Fame when you think about all the players uh, that are eligible, like everybody who ever played college football. Right. Uh, it, it's not, we're not talking about 32 teams, you know, like the NFL, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We're talking about more than 1,000 when you take into account uh, Division One, Division Two, FBS, FCS, NAI, Junior College, all the, you know, all the, the classifications. So he's, he's getting in. I think that's a – I think it's great, and it's, it's cool that a, a Kansas City area kid, a Latham North product – is in the is going into the College Football Hall of Fame, but it also prompted some uh, some discussion about other Kansas State players who should be in the College Football Hall of Fame because I think he's he's number three if I'm not mistaken, right? Gary Spaney, Bill Snyder, and now Darren Sproles. Am I missing someone? Uh, Mark Simino is in there as well. well Mark, Mark Simino was the he was the latest one. Mark Simino. So three players and a coach. And um, and there clearly are some players from the, especially from the Bill Snyder teams of the of the '90s, early 2000s, like Sproles, um, that that are that are worthy of consideration. Who would be on top of your list for that? I mean, it's got to be Michael Bishop. Um, I'm actually wrote in my uh, weekly Q and A this week that I, I think it's it's time for voters to, uh, for whatever reason they've overlooked him, to go ahead and rethink that and. Give him another look because, I mean, in my book, um, he he's he's the best quarterback Kansas State's ever had. You can maybe make an argument for Colin Klein or some other guys, but I think just based on pure talent, it was Bishop. And not only that, but he, he was the quarterback of the best team they've ever had at the height of Snyder's powers back in 98. Won 22 games in just two seasons with him. Consensus All-American, uh, Davey O'Brien winner, Heisman finalist. Um, it, Typically, you look at a lot of other guys um, that have been that close to the Heisman. They typically get the nod and go ahead and, and make it in the hall. So I, I, I think there should be a spot for him. If Sproles is going to go in, if Snyder is going to go in, I don't see how you leave off Bishop. So he, he's the next guy I would push, definitely. Well, he, he clearly deserves it. And I, I think he'll be in there someday. And um, it doesn't – I know that – I know that when when uh, candidates are considered for the College Football Hall of Fame, because once I voted on on the um, on the on the committee that that to put college football players in the Hall of Fame, that um, so star power sometimes NFL star power that is sometimes is significant, but but actually uh, it, it, it's it's not a factor. It's a conversation piece, but it's not a factor on whether somebody gets in. So. Um, so Michael Bishop will be considered clearly uh, solely on his college accomplishments, which, as you mentioned, were, uh, were were pretty special. And he was he was spectacular. He, he really was. He, he was an amazing player. I'll never forget his season in 1998 as his senior year. And we're coming to the final few games of the regular season. And it was between him and Ricky Williams, the running back at Texas, for the Heisman Trophy. That was it was going to be one of those two guys. And then Ricky Williams went nuts in the last couple of games and Williams ended up winning it. But I remember I went to New York to cover the Heisman final in, uh, in 98 because of Bishop's possibility of, of winning it. So um, he'll, he'll get in there one day. Terrence Newman's another one, I think, that, um, that we'll see in the College Football Hall of Fame someday from, from Kansas State. And, and, and there will be others as well. 
So yeah, Newman would be a great one. Um, I believe Martin Gramatica was up for it, but I, I believe he didn't get enough votes to stay on the ballot. So we probably won't be seeing him. Um, the other ones I could think of eventually, maybe maybe Jordy Nelson, maybe Colin Klein, and uh, maybe even Tyler Lockett. I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. There, there are Kansas State. I, I don't want to say they're underrepresented in, in the Hall of Fame. There are some schools that I think are overrepresented. Um, but it, look, it just it just takes several years for that to, for it all to catch up. And and Kansas State will have their 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 days in, in to celebrate other other great Wildcats going into the uh, to the National College Football Hall of Fame. So, OK, Callis, great conversation. And we will talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Blair. That will do it for today and this week. Thanks to our production staff and everyone who helps make Sportsbeat KC happen. Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Bickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Gary Bedore, Jesse Newell, and Kellis Robinette for stopping by and talking KU and K-State sports. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you, especially for those who want to deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage, even more terrific these days with the playoffs on our doorstep. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. If you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and we'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday to break down the Chiefs-Browns playoff game.